Hey, you're listening to the Time and Talks podcast. I'm your host, Dejal V. Patel, and this is the place where we have refreshingly real talks about the biggest problems moms face in motherhood and life and the spiritual solutions to solve them. If you're ready to reset your mindset with some major truth bombs, well then, let's dive in. Namaste, mods and mamas. Today, I have a really important conversation. Whether you've struggled with infertility or not, this is one for you to listen to. This week is National Infertility Awareness Week, and many of you moms have privately reached out to me and shared your own personal infertility journey. And I wanted to invite guests that can really support you, that can allow your journey to be validated, to be heard. And so this goal of National Infertility Awareness Week is not only just to build awareness of this real struggle for families trying to conceive, but creating a safe space for families who are fertility challenged to not feel alone, to not feel embarrassed and not feel ashamed, to really feel supported and have a space of sharing what helps and what doesn't. And so fertility obviously is a very difficult emotional, mental, physical, and financial struggle for families. And there are a lot of misconceptions around fertility, especially the idea that it only happens to older women or it's mainly a woman problem. And that's just not always the case. So to help build awareness of this important topic, I have Ali Prado and Blair Nelson to talk about infertility today on the podcast. Both Ali and Blair are infertility warriors advocates and co-founders of Fertility Rally, a membership community and event platform offering 24-7 support, content, and curated events for anyone going through infertility or building their modern families. Ali is the podcast host of Infertile AF, and Blair is the podcast host of Fab Fertility. Both of them are really dedicated and passionate about building awareness, lending support to those who are on the infertility journey, and I want you to tune in and listen, because we're going to talk about some of the common misconceptions about infertility. We're going to also talk about how to be a supportive and empathetic friend if you know someone who's going through infertility, what to say and what not to say. And for anyone who is currently on this journey, you're going to learn how you can receive support, help, and having the space to just feel heard by others who are going through the journey like you. So tune in now. This is such an important one. Welcome, Allie and Blair, to the Time and Talks podcast. I'm so honored to be speaking with you guys today. Hi, thank you for having us. Yeah, happy to be here. So this is coming out exactly when it's National um, Infertility Awareness Week. And it was so important for me to bring this topic on the podcast because so many women have shared their infertility journeys with me. And this is something that you both have struggled with. And I'd love for us to start by you sharing your own individual journeys and why you're so passionate about creating a community for those who are struggling with infertility. Yes, this is Allie. So I had a secondary infertility journey. I had my daughter when I was 35 and I didn't have any problems getting pregnant with her, thankfully, and had a fairly uneventful pregnancy in a good way. Um, I did have placenta previous, so I had to have a scheduled C-section, but thankfully it went well. There was no complications or anything. Um, I didn't know much about my fertility and I didn't even know that I was going to have problems having my second kid. 
had I known, I would have started earlier. But, you know, we waited and we, you know, we had kids a little bit later. Um, we waited till she was about two and a half, three-ish to start trying for our second kid. And that's where I ran into problems. So um, what was happening was I just had kept having miscarriage after miscarriage. Um, I had four between her and then when I finally did have my son. But, um, you know, it was just shocking to me. Mm -hmm. I didn't know anybody that had secondary infertility. I'd never even heard of that term. Mm -hmm. um, I was really struggling to find people to connect with. You know, I had friends who'd had like maybe definitely one miscarriage, maybe two, but nobody that had had multiple, you know, current loss. So um, I was struggling to find community. There really weren't podcasts out at that time. There weren't that many good books that I could find, um, which brings us later to why Blair and I started this community was to try to connect with more people. Um, but I did end up going to see an RE and um, the problem that I was having was just egg. It was an egg quality issue. So I had a lot of eggs, but I didn't have a lot of quality eggs. So the doctor I met with basically said, you, you're the perfect candidate for IVF because we can weed out the unhealthy eggs. We can get any embryos that you make tested and make sure that they're good to go. And that's what happened. So I um, worked with Dr. Klein at, he was at RMA at the time in New York. Mm -hmm. um, he's now at Extend Fertility. But um, he was just really great and made sure that it was like a partnership and that, you know, he was always available with my crazy questions. And, you know, because again, I wasn't on Instagram, I wasn't able to pull the community. So I was constantly yeah. emailing him like, is this normal? Can I go on a hike? Can I have sex? You know, like asking him all the questions that you would ask, like your girlfriends, basically. Yes. To ask. Um, so he probably thought I was crazy, but he did answer all of my emails and was really great to work with. Um I did end up being very, very lucky in that we only had one um, normal embryo. So I had five that were tested and four of them were had chromosomal abnormalities. And then the one that was healthy, we did a frozen embryo transfer in 2015 and it worked. So I got very, very lucky in that it worked on the first round of IVF and I had my son December 2015. So that's oh. the bridged version of my story. That's and that's something I feel like there's a lot of misconceptions sometimes around infertility and what it looks like. Like, for example, I never heard of secondary infertility like that. Mm -hmm. Or sometimes you hear of someone going through I know I have friends who've gone through IVF, and then miraculously, they're able to conceive naturally the second time. So everybody's journey is just so uniquely different. Mm -hmm. And what a blessing that it worked for you, because that's another misconception to think that IVF is going to work 100% of the time. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't know that either. I thought that yes, of course, if someone does IVF, it's gonna, you know, eventually it's gonna work. But that's not always the case. So what a blessing, Allie, that it worked for you with the one with the one embryo that you had. So, so lucky, because I know how many people have done multiple rounds. And you know, sometimes it doesn't work at all. So yeah, we were very fortunate. Yeah. And Blair would love to hear your story. Yeah, so uh, for me, my my husband and I, excuse me, started trying to conceive right when we got married. So we got married in fall of 2017, and about six months into our journey of nothing really working, I wanted to go ahead and be proactive and see somebody get some just basic testing done to see if there was something going on. For whatever reason, my husband and I both had a feeling we were going to have a 
have trouble conceiving. His brother had done IVF to have his two kiddos and I don't know, it was just like this gut feeling. And so we went into my uh, OB who I had had for years. I mean, since like college and she was not willing to do any sort of testing on us because we were under 35. It hadn't been 12 months, you know, that old school of thought. And so we switched OBs like in that appointment when she wouldn't help me or order tests. I was like, okay, well, you are not for me anymore. And so we switched OBs, got some basic testing done. Around the same time, my husband started rifling through this medical file that his parents had been keeping on him. Both of his parents were are deceased, unfortunately. And so we have all of all the things that your parents hold on to you, hold on for you, you know? Yeah. Um, so he started going through that and found this letter that was very uh, vague, um, but also describing some sort of issue he had with his chromosomes. So we took that letter to our doctor and that coupled with some tests, our, our new OB who's our OB now was like, yeah, you're definitely going to need some, some help here. So he sent us straight to the reproductive endocrinologist. Long story short, my husband has a chromosomal issue called a balanced translocation, um, so two of his chromosomes are out of order. They like flip flopped when he was conceived and um, he's perfectly normal because they evenly flip flop. But what happens a lot of times is extra genetic material goes one place or too little goes one place and it makes it very hard to conceive a um, full term pregnancy healthy pregnancy um, just naturally. So a lot of people that have balanced translocations, I think it's like one in 500 people have this, will have repeat loss or um, they will, if they carry to term, which is very rare, the infant dies soon after birth. So it's a very serious thing. And um, a lot of people end up having to go through the IVF um, route to start their family if they're diagnosed with that. But unfortunately, a lot of people find out really late after loss, after a baby dies. And for us, we were so lucky that we were able to find out right out of the gate, really. So we went from trying naturally to IVF in the matter of a month, which was kind of a whirlwind. And, and from May 2018 through May of 2020, we did five rounds of IVF. Um, we had... Our first and fifth rounds were the only ones where we got genetically normal embryos from testing rounds two, three, and four. Unfortunately, none of the embryos we made were normal. So that just goes to show what we were just talking about, that IVF doesn't always work the first time, especially if you have a complicated diagnosis. So um, our last round that we did in May of 2020, we ended up making three normal embryos. We transferred one of them. August 31st of 2020. And I am due in literally a month or I'm being induced in literally a month with our first <laughs> little girl. So it's very exciting. It's, I can't even believe I'm saying that honestly, like when you're in the trenches of it, which we can get into, you just never think it's going to happen for you. So it's still really surreal. That is amazing. And congratulations to you, Blair. I, <laughs> I you know, I've, when you were sharing your journey, which is so different than Allie's, is that so for you, Blair, was it just your husband and it wasn't necessarily something regarding you? So not at first. We did kind of determine throughout the course of our treatment. So from our first round, we got four normal embryos. We had one pregnancy 
from those four four individual transfers that ended in an early miscarriage, but the other three just didn't implant at all. So we were dealing with some repeat implantation failure is what they would call it. So I did get diagnosed uh, with something Mm -hmm. and we don't know why that was like we did every test and procedure under the sun to try to figure out why it wasn't working and everything came back normal. So, I mean, we ended up doing a crazy protocol for this fifth transfer with immune suppressants and all sorts of things. I mean, it was literally the most convoluted, complicated protocol ever, but you know, it worked. So what a blessing. I'm glad that (laughs) I'm glad that's the, the beauty of what the science can do. I think it's just so remarkable. You both have joined together. And I think this is so fascinating how you've met I'm doing like quote unquote, and how you guys passionately serve the infertility community. So I'd love for you guys to share what your what your passion is and what you do and how you guys support other women. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll say that Blair, so we both have podcasts. Mine is called Infertile AF and Blair's is called Fab Fertility. And at the very beginning stages, um, when I first launched mine, it was in March, 2019, Blair had sent me an email and you know she was in the trenches, like she said, and I think she was searching for community and wanted to share her story. So she wrote me an email and I'll, I'll know, can we swear on here? Yeah, go ahead. (laughs) Email and she was like, my husband and I have been through a fuck ton of shit. And I was like, oh, I like this chick, like immediately. So um, I wrote her back and she ended up being on my podcast. And then shortly thereafter, she started hers. And then I was a guest on her show. So that's kind of how it all started. And then, you know, we just kept talking and realizing that we had a very common goal, which was to obviously you know, start to kind of blast stigmas and normalize the conversation about infertility and everything that we had been through. Um, You know, so we started talking more and then we decided that we wanted to have an event to celebrate the community. Um, So we started talking about what would we call it? You know, this is such an incredible community of people on Instagram and women that we'd met through our podcast and guys too. Mm -hmm. And so we came up with the name Fertility Rally um, we just really loved the connotation of like a rally, like rallying together, rallying around each other, lifting each other up. Um, and, you know, one of the things we have in common, too, is that although this is can be a very lonely and horrible, depressing, sad, all the things road, we like to try to bring some levity to it where we can. So we're like, let's do a day where we're like empowering people, celebrating this community, lifting each other up. And I'll let Blair take over because I don't want to talk too much, but she can tell what happened with the in-person event. <laughs> yeah. So we we were so excited. We had everything planned for the most part. It was going to be in Brooklyn, which is where Allie currently lives. And I was getting ready to go down there in February, right, of 2020. And um, then the pandemic, I actually think I canceled or I postponed my trip because of a round of IVF. And then the pandemic hit. Yeah. So we were like, oh God, what do we do? And we were just, you know, we were dreamers and we were like, oh, you know, it's going to be fine by October. We're still going to have our event in Brooklyn. No big deal. And then finally, I think in June or July, we were like, okay, I think we're going to need to pivot here. But what we started doing in, you know, alongside planning this event, we obviously had our Instagram. And so we were starting to really create this community um, with this brand around this live event. And so what we started doing and when the pandemic hit was we started doing these little happy hours uh, on Zoom and we got such a great 
reception from it that we were like, huh, maybe we should be doing this a little bit more. So kind of at the same time, we decided to take the event virtual, which was a huge pivot. Thank God we got our money back from the event venue. And, you know, because at this point we weren't making any money with our company. This is all of our own money. Our husbands probably think we're fucking crazy. And Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) so we start doing these happy hours and then we're like, huh, maybe we are onto something. This community obviously needs this. Let's, let's launch a membership community. Um, Mm -hmm. In addition to taking this event virtual. So Ali, do you want to talk about our membership a little bit? So I think we decided this maybe in like April and we're like, we just set a goal. We're like, we needed to go live by June 1st because we felt like there was such a need and there wasn't anything out there like this yet. And we wanted to be kind of first to market and like, just, you know, provide the support that we knew people so desperately needed. Um, so we did, you know, we hired a web developer, we fast tracked the project. We probably spent, I don't even know how many hours on Zoom and phone calls and brainstorming. Um, but the thing that's been so fun, I will say is like, Blair and I just like go for it. When we think of an idea, we don't overthink it. And I think that that's kind of what's been making this successful so far as like, I'm like, we should do this. And she's like, let's do it. And then she'll have an idea. I'm like, sure. So like, I think that we complement each other well in terms of like, like Blair said, we're dreamers and, you know, we come up with these ideas and we just kind of, I think if we would have thought about this really, we probably wouldn't have made it happen because it was like, it's so complicated and it's, you know, so much goes into it, but we were like, yep, do it June 1st. And June 1st, we went live and um, now we have over 300 members at Fertility Rally, the membership community, and it's a website with lots of resources and blogs, guest blogs, Q&As from experts, mm-hmm. um, you know, and then we also have the events portion of it, which is like the live event that we were planning that ended up going virtual. Um, and we do, you know, other events for our membership and then for the community at large as well. So this is, you know, it's still our side, both of our side hustles, but, you know, it's becoming, taking up a lot more time and we're both just really passionate about it and trying to do things that, you know, really support people in this community and also things that haven't been done yet before. Yeah. It seems like you guys are so aligned because I feel like whenever there's like a force of energy that's, you're like, okay, June 1st, it's going to happen. And there's like a momentum that's pushing it to, to allow it to happen. So what a beautiful synergy that you're Mm -hmm. creating. Mm -hmm. And how have you found as being part of, you know, being in fertility warriors yourself, being part of a community and creating this community, what has been lacking? I know that this is, Something that is bringing where people are talking about it more. There's more awareness of it, but where is it still lacking from? Um, maybe from those who are outside of not experiencing infertility. Like, how are we not? What do we need to know? What? How do we support? How do we? What awareness needs to still be brought? And because you guys mentioned that a few times, because this is kind of a new idea of creating this type of rally, this type of community. What's still needed? Um, being that you guys are in it and you see it that's lacking? Um, I'll take a stab at that. I think <laughs> that <laughs> that's a good question. I th- I think it's it is general awareness. Um as the community, the infertility community has grown so much, even since Allie and I really inserted ourselves in it. Um gosh, for me it was back in 2018. I think for her maybe it was a little bit before then, but it's gotten so big 
which is so great because that means more people are talking and more people are aware. You know, when you have people like Chrissy Teigen and others, you know, using their platforms to bring awareness, the general population is becoming more aware. I think the two main things that came to my mind were just general lack of knowledge about infertility um, amongst the world, really. And, you know, you hear these statistics around NIAW, like one in four people experience a loss, one or one in four women experience a miscarriage. You hear statistics in the US, one in eight couples will struggle with infertility. In Canada, it's one in six. I would be surprised if it's not one in six in America soon. And, you know, you hear these things and it's kind of like a little blip on the radar with NIAW. And then people kind of forget about it. Um, you know, and the pandemic really brought to light a huge issue within this community. And that is that infertility is a disease. It is a condition. It is not, um, it is not a choice. Nobody that goes through this chooses that. And, you know, when the pandemic hit and there were a lot of clinics that had to close down because, the CDC or whomever was making the rules said that fertility treatments were elective. That really pissed a lot of people off. And I think just underscored a huge problem that we have. Um, and then, you know, the third problem, and then I'll pass it over to Allie because I know she can talk a lot about this, is just the the coverage in this country uh, for fertility treatments is so poor. Um, and, and that's another, another big thing that the community as a whole could do is really work for legislation that helps, helps people along in this journey. It's really, really hard. I'll let Ali continue on that. <laughs> yeah. Um, one of the things I'll say is we're just coming off our second fertility rally live event when this episode comes out. Um, but we partnered, you know, we gave a percentage of the proceeds of our event to Resolve, which is, you know, they're kind of the ones that started National Infertility Awareness Week. Um, and they do a lot in terms of teaching advocacy. You know, we've done events with them, with our members, you know, where they will provide a toolkit where people can go to their um, HR departments at work and say, you know, we need to change this. The coverage sucks you know, I'm suffering from this as are so many other people. And we've had some really good success stories. One of our members actually the other day just said, I went into work and I used the toolkit and I got, I made a change and, you know, it's going to affect thousands of people, which is incredible. So, you know, we're both big advocates for not only awareness, but also, you know, like Blair said, legislation. And, you know, I went up and lobbied in Albany when they were surrogacy was not legal in New York until mm -hmm. earlier this year. So I went up and lobbied for that. And Blair's done things with Resolve and Anna, she's in Austin. So she's done other things as well. Um, but the other thing I wanted to add was just the, um, you know, we also provide support groups. And I think that that's another thing that's kind of lacking is that, and one thing that we've expanded into is not just regular infertility support groups, but we do a pregnancy after infertility support group too. And I think that's one place that we really are going to focus on, you know, for the rest of this year is providing support for women who are pregnant after experiencing a loss because, mm -hmm. it, you know, infertility is trauma. It's a traumatic experience. And I don't think it gets the recognition it deserves sometimes. And even we as women will kind of be like, oh, it's, 
not that big of a deal. You know, I've, I had a loss, but now I'm pregnant. And I think we need to change that and support each other more. So we're really focusing on that piece of the puzzle. Cause thankfully we do have members who since they joined in June have become pregnant. Yeah. Wonderful. Um, but we don't want to say, you know, once you see those two pink lines bye, you're on your own, you know, we want to continue to support. And we've talked about with fertility rally too, expanding into even motherhood after infertility yeah. you know, and trying to reach that, that piece of it too, because it's, it change it just changes you as a person and it changed me as a mom. And, you know, we really want to address that. You know, sometimes the people in your life, like you might have a friend or a sister or a family member who's going through infertility and you're someone who has not gone through it, but you want to be supportive. You want to be empathetic. And sometimes it's hard to find the right things to say when you're someone that you love and care about is going through that. So for you guys being in it, I'd love to get your opinion or your feedback of just personally, some of the things that is supportive, like if you're going through it, and you're you have someone who may not have personally experienced it, what would be some things that is supportive is helpful is empathetic, um, as you're going through the journey or as someone is going through the journey? Yeah, I was it's funny that you asked that because I was actually going to say one thing that I wanted to add on to the last question was what can everybody do is your question. And I think it is try to understanding the weight of your words when you're asking questions of people in their reproductive years, like when are you guys going to have a kid? Oh my gosh, like y'all been married for blah, blah, blah. You have no idea how long people have been trying, what issues they're facing, especially with those statistics we just threw out, you know, 25% of people have a loss one in eight people are experiencing infertility. So when, you know, what might just be an innocent question might ruin somebody's day. You know what I'm saying? So I think just being a little bit more aware, but in terms of what is really supportive is I think everyone needs to understand people going through infertility are very sensitive and it's not, it's really hard to say the right thing. Even if you try your hardest, you might upset somebody. And that's just kind of the nature of the beast, unfortunately. But for me, what always helped was not trying, was my friends not trying to justify what I was going through. Like I would get, well, you know, there's, we always say, don't ever start a sentence. Well, at least like, at least you were able to get pregnant. At least you lost the baby early. At least you have money to pay for treatments, at least, at least, at least. Like none of those things are helpful. Um, and honestly, they're they kind of make every make people in this community mad because we know, I mean, we know all those things. What we want to hear is, I'm so sorry, this must be incredibly hard for you. What can I do to support you? Just asking what you can do because that's always a safe question because that answer is very different for everybody. Um, What someone could do for me is probably very different than what they could do for Allie, just based on how we cope with the trauma, with the bad news, with the good news, whatever it may be. So that would be my number one thing. Mm -hmm. That's very helpful. Emily, do you have anything to add? Yeah, I could add on to that too. Um, Those are all such good things. That at least is a big, big piece of it. But it's like somebody posted, um, one of the doctors that we had at our first fertility rally, who's awesome, posted something the other day and said, you know, since when did our reproductive systems become small talk? 
Like, mm-hmm. why do people feel like it's normal to to say, like Blair said, like, when are you guys gonna have kids, or you're only gonna have one, or why don't you give that kid a sibling? And you know, these are really really hurtful things who, for people who are struggling. And so it's just kind of a matter of you know being careful. You never know what somebody is going through. And in terms of you know the what to say, it's it's exactly that. It's I'm here if you want to talk. You know, like rooting for you. What can I do? Or I'm dropping off dinner. What night can I bring it by? You know, just stuff like that. If you're you know local with somebody, but just be, being an ear and not giving advice so much as just listening. Yeah. That's really helpful. I, when Blair, when you were talking, what came to mind was like, um, that toxic positivity. Like you try to be like positive, but it's like not helpful positivity, if that makes sense. It's like, oh, but like, you know, trying to get someone to feel positive, but they're going through whatever they're going. So validating their feelings of just honoring yeah. where they're at and holding space for where they're well, at. So yeah. um, I was going to say one other thing that's huge, a huge trigger in this community is giving suggestions like, um, well, you know, we just went on vacation or try putting your hips up or, you know, all of these, you know, try acupuncture, you know, all these things. It's like, do do you not think that we've tried everything at this point? And especially coming from somebody who didn't, I'm doing air quotes, people can't see me, but struggle, you know, um, it's just, Come, it just seems so not thought out and a little ignorant. And it just kind of rubs people that are really struggling the wrong way. It's like that none of that is helpful. Also really triggering things like, well, at least you, at least you could do IVF if it doesn't work. At least you could adopt. At least there's options like surrogacy. What people don't understand is all of those options are very complicated emotionally, financially, physically, just, just adopt is like, okay, do you have a hundred thousand dollars laying around or more? It's just, you can't, you can't Mm -hmm. say things like that because you don't know what it's like to actually go through that process. Or when people are like, you can have one of my kids, you know, stuff like that. Like it's so toned up. Yes. I think, I think, you know, the, what I'm hearing both of you talk is like a global consciousness lesson of being mindful about what we say being empathetic, truly being empathetic and not overstepping our boundaries, right? Like these overreaching questions that technically we should not be saying to anyone, whether you're a fertility challenge or not, like when are you having kids or any of these questions shouldn't be on our radar to to poke and prod. And um, so I'm really glad. Sometimes we need to hear it in black and white sometimes, <laughs> you know, to... Yeah. To, and I think that's really, really helpful for, you know, people to hear. And I, and I also, um, I really appreciated that at least because that actually can be translated to other areas of our life too, right? Like even with like parenting or anything, like the at least is so invalidating. Um, so that's like such like a global point, I think, not just for infertility, but just let's be mindful of not down, you know, downgrading or downsizing the emotions and the intensity of what a person's human experience is. Mm-hmm. Um, so thank you so much for sharing that. I love what you guys are doing with Fertility Rally. And you guys just, like you said, finished your second live event. I love to hear what you guys have in store. I, you guys are very ambitious. It seems like you guys put like so a, a seed is planted and you run with it. So I'd love to hear what are your plans for Fertility Rally? 
Oh gosh, I'll start and then Allie can Allie okay. can fill in the blanks. So we have a lot of plans for Fertility Rally. I think both of us long-term uh, would love for this to be our full-time career. Um, we love it so much. We It's funny, like we dream about it. We wake up thinking about it. And so you know when you're doing that, that you're that's what you're supposed to be doing, right? Like I truly feel like the work I'm doing in this community is my life's purpose. So, you know, I'll let Allie say what she wants, but I think we've talked like we would love to just do this full time. So hopefully that happens sooner rather than later. But in terms of what we're doing with the brand, we would love to start doing in-person events in addition to our virtual events. I don't think that the virtual events will go away because the beautiful thing about having to pivot there was that we're able to reach so many people, make it really affordable. The overhead is small. So it's, it's really, it's a lot easier actually to pull off and it makes it more accessible to people. Our community, we have members all over the world. It's not just the U S and Canada. Like we have members so, so far away. It's really cool. Um, and then also too, we really, really want to launch some courses. <laughs> um, we, we're trying to figure out what that looks like, what the timing looks like, given that I'm about to have a baby and all of that. But our goal is maybe early 2022 to launch a course of some kind. And then I'll, I'll let Ali finish the rest. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's so much. We talk about this all the time and our to-do list is like 700 items long, but you know, we have a book idea that we're throwing around and kind of working on. I think that, you know, we do these support groups, like I said, Mondays and Wednesday nights and you know, frankly, there's just not enough of, you know, it's, it's Blair and I on every call because we want to be on every call. We love our members. We consider them family. We've gotten to become really good friends with so many of them. But uh, realistically, we're going to have to branch out and hire some more people who can run support groups at different times for different time zones. And, you know, like Blair was saying, we have a member in Australia who joins our group and it's the next day for her. And she's like, <laughs> before she goes to work. And we love that. But, you know, we'd love to make this more global and reach more people. I mean, unfortunately, this, this epidemic, I would say is not going away. It's only more and more people as, you know, people are postponing having children. And, you know, there's so many factors that go into infertility, we could have a whole nother hour on that. But, um, you know, it's only getting more and it's only affecting more and more people. So we hope to become kind of the household name as if you're going through infertility, join Fertility Rally for the support that you need. I mean, that's the big picture goal for me, at least. I think that would be amazing. Mm, thank you guys so much for the work that you do. And there's so much light and so much uh, passion behind both of you, your energy re regarding it. So I have no doubt that you guys are going to continue to keep touching hundreds, thousands, millions. That's the vision. So. I'm putting it out from my words to the universe. Well, to the ears, so. that you can't see the bags under my eyes, people listening, but they are real and they are here. <laughs> <laughs> but um, this is truly remarkable work. And I'm so honored that you guys shared your story with us to be able to be the privilege to hear your story was just such an honor. And Blair, congratulations. Thank and you're you. going to be due soon. So that's such a blessing. Um, but just for any of the mamas who are listening, where can they find you? Where are the best places? I know that you mentioned your podcast, but if you guys can, I'll put everything in the show notes, but just quickly like run through that. Yeah. So um, thank you for having us. First of all, this is so fun. We love when we get to come on shows together and we love being the guests instead of the host sometimes. So this is a treat. Yeah. Um, 
So this is Blair. You can find my podcast at Fab Fertility. And I'm also on Instagram at Fab Fertility and also at Fab.motherhood. So that's where I'm sharing my day to day. And then Fab Fertility is remaining an infertility resource. And then where you can find us is at Fertility Rally, fertilityrally.com. And then Allie. Yeah. And then um, my podcast is called Infertile AF. So that's on all the platforms. Um, you you can also f- follow me on Instagram at Infertile AF Stories is my handle. Um, and yeah, we just want to tell everybody, you know, our tagline for Fertility Rally is it's the worst club with the best members because we just truly love, nobody wants to be in this club at all. Yeah. But everybody who is has been absolutely wonderful and so willing to help each other out. I mean, it's really the community of the greatest humans. Um, so we're really proud of the people that we've connected with. Um, we'd love to have anybody, you know, anybody can reach out to us at any time, DM us with questions. What is Fertility Rally? You know, we're totally available and accessible. And we just truly want to reach as many people and help as many people as possible. So thank you so much for having us and letting us you know, share our stories with you. Of course. It really lights up my heart that you guys are offering this gift to so many who need it. So it was just, it was such a pleasure. I was telling Allie and Blair before we started, I was like, I set out the intention that I needed to have a podcast on this topic. And literally, um, so Allie, Blair, are you part of Hey Mama as well too? Through Allie, but not officially. But Hey Mama is just this amazing networking. And like, I literally planted the seed. I put it out. And the next day I saw Allie's email. I was like, oh my gosh, this is, it was just meant to be. So thank you so much. While we're putting things out into the universe, can we put that Michelle Obama needs to come to one of our fertility rally events? Let's do that. Let's do that. Let's put that intention and that energy out there. We'll take Amy Schumer also. Yes. Oh, yes. (laughs) Chrissy T, yeah, yeah. It's like if we're gonna just put the intentions out there, let's let's go big because you guys are doing such great stuff. Well, thank you so much, ladies, and um, this was such an honor. And for everyone who's listening, I'll put all the show notes, all the links in the show notes. Thank you so much for tuning in. Have a blessed day and a blessed week. Until next week, bye, guys. If you've been loving the Time and Talks podcast and you find value from it, I would be so eternally grateful if you take a moment of your time to leave a rating and review over at Apple Podcasts. And when you do, I love to gift you my seven-day stress detox course. All you got to do is screenshot your review before you submit it. Email it to me at thejal at thejalvpatel.com. And when you do, I'll inbox you the details of the course. This course has my go-to tools anytime I feel impatient, angry, fresh, and I come to them almost every single day. And I promise these are the tools that you're going to want to have in your back pocket too. And if you haven't purchased the Meditation for Kids book, definitely do so now. You can purchase it anywhere you buy books, Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, Target, IndieBound, BAM. And you can go to meditationforkidsbook.com to get more information on the Meditation for Kids Masterclass course. If you're a complete beginner and learning how to teach meditation to your kids, this is the step-by-step roadmap that's going to to teach you how to teach your kids meditation without having to become a certified meditation expert. Thank you so much, guys. Bye.